Welcome to the We Go There podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... Exactly. We go there. Because no topic should be too taboo, especially when it comes to women's health. We ask the questions you may be too afraid to ask and interview the experts to get the answers you need. So we're doing this completely unfiltered. 100%. Okay, let's go there. Welcome to We Go There. Nikki and I are very excited about our interview today because we're interviewing clinical psychologist and psychotherapist and four-time best-selling author of The Women's Guide to Not Fucking Settling. You heard it here. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> and creator of the One Million, yes, One Million Orgasm Movement. Okay, I think we have everyone at the edge of their seats. We have right here with us today to answer all of our questions around sex and masturbation, the one and only, the everyday goddess herself, Dr. Carlin Costa. Hey, hey, hi. (laughs) So excited and a fun fact for everyone, actually. So I interviewed Carlin on our Wax on Instagram, and this conversation got so juicy in all the ways that it actually got taken down from Instagram. So we're doing it here and now again, because it was such a great conversation. And I think more of more people need to, to hear this stuff. And it's such a hot topic of, um, us today wanting to like get all the information out there and, um, you know, normalize some of this masturbation talk and, I mean, we just got into a whole discussion around shame and all the things. Oh, my gosh. Well, we had a lot of fun, Lexi, and it's too bad the patriarchy rained down on our parade, you know? Like, it's it, it happens, right? Yeah. But but I'm so glad that we're doing this again because this is important stuff to talk about, right? This is, this is the reason why women are so powerful because women just keep pushing through. We're like, oh, okay, you're going to take down my video? We'll just do it again. No problem. We're good <laughs> at creating community. We're good at doing this. We'll just keep talking until you hear us. So until you hear us, I'm just going to keep talking. Is, isn't that not the story of my I mean, life? This, right? this is life. where, Carlin, I was like, so I wasn't part of this IG live. And I'm like, well, it got taken down. Like, were you whipping dildos out and like demonstrating how to use them? Like, what was nope. going on? <laughs> nope. No, no. Literally, all we did was talk about masturbation. Oh, my God. And that's how big the shame, the stigma, the guilt that's internalized and that has seeped into our communities and our systems and our structures have become. Because here's what's happened is that we can talk about sex as long as it's in this context, as long as it's in the overt sexualization of women, as long as it's in without the power of women, as long as it's for the male gaze, as long as it's within the context of selling something, because then that's okay, right? I can, I can show my body as long as I'm trying to sell you something. But the second we try to empower women, give them the right information, try to change up the narrative, bring men in and like create this really awesome, inclusive conversation, boom, gone. It's gone. And unfortunately, you know, for myself, my friends, my colleagues, we are so used to this, right? I can't even write the word sex. If you go on my profile, my Instagram, the word sexologist, like I have to put a money sign, right? Because then that stuff gets flagged and then my stuff gets taken down, right? Like you can't say, you'll see a lot of people when they talk about sex, they'll spell it S-E-G-G-S, right? Mm-hmm. Sex, right? We, we spell these things differently so that the algorithm doesn't catch us because we're trying to give people information, right? 
evidence-based, informed information. And yet for some reason, that is just so threatening to the patriarchal ego. It is so crazy. It's so threatening. I did that. I spelled it segs the other day. I was talking Mm. about, I've got a sponsorship with a vibrator company and I did a reel about it. And it's funny. I actually lost some followers. I mean, it could be because of an ad, but like, I also feel like people get sometimes uncomfortable, especially because I don't, it's not what I talk about on my page all the time, right? Like I talk about pelvic floor and mostly fitness and pregnancy and recovery, but postpartum sex is a big part of this recovery and a lot of women struggle. And so I'm coming from it from the lens of let's empower you to get help. If you're having pain, see a pelvic floor physiotherapist, Mm -hmm. you know, use a vibrator before you go back. We did a podcast episode on this. So important. Right. And yet that, again, I was like, it's sex. And people, some people were like, what does that mean? I'm like, it's censored sex, my friends, censored sex. (laughs) Yeah. Censored sex. Exactly. So wild censored sex. Like, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Well, it's because people can't control the narrative. Right. And unfortunately, you know, uh, like that's why a lot of people, especially after that big blackout that we had, you know, that social media blackout that we had, a lot of people have come to recognize how much they depend on these. um, I was like, what am I, how am I going to say this? Um, Racist, marginalized, uh, anti-women structures and organizations that exist that we rely on right? So, such as Instagram and Facebook. And then uh, we rely so heavily on it. So a lot of people actually came off of it and went to open source spaces like YouTube, went to other platforms, have been relying on their own websites even, right? And try to, that's why it's so important. If you like somebody, if you want to follow somebody, if you want to actually like pay attention to the work they're doing, sign up for their newsletters, right? Because that way you can still continue to stay connected to people and get access to the information that they're trying to share um, in safe ways. Because, yeah, unfortunately, I live a censored life, babes. And, like, that's what we're doing here, you know? Just trying to break the glass ceiling. <laughs> we, need, we need to dive into this. Like, really, like, I think maybe we should start with the whole concept of, like, you, you know, you just came in today talking to some clients. You had some talk therapy sessions. Yeah. You know, what are some of the common things that people come to you for with problems? Great question. I, I love that question. You know, the, I work primarily with um, self-identified cisgendered women, right? So that's who I primarily work with and great, great group of gals, right? We have a good time. And a lot of people will come to me primarily because something is going on with their sex life, because they're not finding a lot of pleasure in their pleasure, Uh, or because they're not feeling confident and they're feeling really disconnected from themselves, their bodies, and then even like the relationships that they have around them. That is probably the number one reason why people come to me. Number two is um, I've just separated. I'm going through a divorce. I've just gone through a big breakup. I need you to help me get my head back on straight. And I say, yes, absolutely. I love, those are my favorite, some of my favorite patients to work with, to be honest with you. I love helping people like pull their, put their lives back together and see the value that they actually bring to themselves and to other people. And I don't think that we get enough of an opportunity to see our value, to have our valued mirrored back to us where we can be in a safe space and share who we are and have someone in a non-judgmental free in a judgment-free zone just hold that space for us 
and see us, witness us, give us permission, be there for us, listen to us. And that's what therapy is. That's all it is. It's just a great space, a great mirror for us to grow. Sure. And what, so what do you think that, or not what you think, like, what are the biggest contributing factors to some of the, some of the people who come to you and they're uh, going through, you know, that, you know, challenges in their sex life, for example, or, um, or challenges, you know, yeah, just challenges or, or, or not even in their sex life, but even like just feeling sexy or like, you know, yeah. having a low sex drive or things like that. What are the biggest contributing factors that you find and how do you give that talk that you give? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the talk. Yeah, <laughs> the talk. I'm like graduate from your parents. Um, <laughs> you know, our libidos and the ways our libidos can fluctuate um, is, is pretty normal. So first of all, I want to just put a, dispel the myth that, you know, if my libido goes up and down throughout my life, like there's something always wrong with me. That's not necessarily true right? Like our libidos can be affected by so many different things, right? Postpartum, right? Nikki, you talk about postpartum stuff with women, especially postpartum sex and relationship building. And that stuff can be really important. And once you've gone through, and it is a trauma, childbirth is a trauma, right? Once you've gone through the trauma of childbirth, your body has to figure itself out. So you also have to figure yourself out. You're, you, all of you is figuring yourself out, right? So Some women have a lot of shame or guilt, not necessarily just postpartum, but just in general, right? When they're feeling disconnected from their partners, when they're not feeling safe in their relationship to be able to talk about things that bug them, right? Um, When they're constantly, when we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people, doing that work, especially with social media and our friend groups and all of that kind of stuff, right? When we're feeling isolated, especially after this pandemic, right? Many women, many women, are feeling exceptionally isolated. And a lot of our friend groups are changing and things are changing and, and who we are is changing. And because so many people are in this transition right now, what I am seeing is a lot of people kind of went hard in the pandemic and we're like, we got this, we're staying home, we're doing it. Like, yay, all the sex all the time. Like, screw it, I like this, you know, the shutdown thing. And now that the world is opening back up again and the rules have changed, people's lives have changed we have all gotten a little bit of a different taste as to what life can be or needs to be transition and transformation, but big transitions can be a big reason why our libido suffer. Right. Um, as well as poor nutrition, not moving our bodies, poor mental health, um, emotional, just emotional challenges, concerns, and imbalances, right. All of those things are factors. Um, but a big one is shame and guilt right? A big one is the shame of just being a woman who owns her shit, who owns her pleasure, who owns her body, right? Instagram doesn't even like it. What makes you think that other people are going to be okay? Okay. So where does that come from? Because I mean, I, I remember having a couple of friends, like close girlfriends. And I remember talking recently about like, I had a sponsorship from like a vibrator company and then being like, oh, I've never had a vibrator. And I'm like, girl, you're fucking 40. What are you talking about? You've never had a vibrator? And like, I mean, I say I can talk to them like that. They're like sisters. And they're just like, what do you mean? And I'm like, like, he, he, he. I'm like, no girl, like you need, you know, and it's funny. Like, and then, I mean, I didn't really 
pry or dive in. I just, we made it a joke and they got a vibrator and then they texted me a couple of weeks later going, thanks girl. Good suggestion. Ha <laughs> ha wink. But like, but where does this shame come from? You know, like, I guess we all have such a different narrative around sexuality. And, and I'm curious to know, like, where do you think, is it from our parents? Like, where does it come from? All of it, everywhere. Okay. <laughs> like, everywhere. like all of it, all of it everywhere all the time, right? It's like God everywhere under all the stones. Um, you know, uh, it's, <laughs> sorry, funny, bad joke. Um, but it's everywhere, right? It comes from the media. It comes from people calling women out. It comes from women calling out women against each other. It comes from us not being able to have safe spaces to talk about sex. It comes from our parents and the baby boomer generation, right? Having, you know, uh, having um, been dismissed for their feelings, their emotions, because the, before that, the golden era people, right, were very much like 50s wife in the kitchen kind of thing, right? That screwed up the baby boomers a little bit. And now there's a bunch of us that are trying to fix it and change the narrative, right? We think that people being naked is like a weird thing, right? It's it's literally everywhere, right? The number of women who don't even get support or help when their bodies are changing through eating disorders, through pregnancy, through um, menopause, right? Access to information can sometimes be a challenge, although there is a ton of information out there, but even not knowing what is going on with us, right? Quite honestly, the challenge here is this, is that we spend so much time external of ourselves and always trying to relate our validation externally that we don't do enough work internally. We don't get introspective. We don't get to know our bodies. When was the last time you looked at your pussy? Right. When That's was the last time you- for everyone? Yeah. Right. When was <laughs> like, you look you, at this, Carly, when was the last time? Time you- this morning, I literally look at her every day. Like, I don't, like, I don't understand why you wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like I look at my face every day. I look at my hands every day. I look at my feet every day. I shower every day. So I'm going to look at my pussy every day. Right. And I'm going to check her out and make sure things are going well. Right. When I wipe, I, sometimes I check my toilet paper to make sure that everything is looking good. Right. I like look at my panties and I'm like, okay, all right. This discharge looks pretty normal. Right. Like, you know what I mean? But we disconnect. We, we think that this stuff is gross and gooey and weird. And like the stuff that our bodies do is gross because some of the body's stuff that our bodies do is gross, like snotting and shitting all over the place. (laughs) But then we also then, you know, we've come to figure out that this like beautiful gift of menstruation, right. This like change within our bodies has significantly shifted and the narr and the story, the narrative around it also has significantly shifted throughout history. Right. So we are also dismissing ourselves and that's the problem, right? We are dismissing ourselves. So until you can be okay with the fact that you bleed, that you are a woman, that you have this body, that it does all of these beautiful things and can have multiple orgasms, like, oh my goddess, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can have multiple orgasms. Why aren't we celebrating that? Why isn't there like a whole week devoted to that? I don't know. You know, like that's a gift. I feel like, I feel like we need a bit of a history lesson here on like, especially like the the shame around menstruation and how it ties to sexuality. Cause I mean, I mean, books like biblical times, like the red tent and all that stuff, right? Like I am not a history buff by any means, but I feel like you're going to have more to say on this topic than I will. 
Yeah, yeah. Nikki, I'm so glad that you said Red Tent because there are these wonderful organizations like the Red Tent Revivals, um, the Ohm, uh, the Ohm series of of of, pro- of projects and stuff. They're so great, right? And what they do is they bring space back to um, this natural process of our bodies, which is menstruation, right? Women are so powerful that we create life. We create life through the process of blood, right? Like that's that's like that's like dragon shit. You know what I mean? Like that's like game of thrones. Like, like that's, if that doesn't make you feel powerful, I don't know what it is, what is, and I don't even have children and I feel powerful. You know what I mean? I, I have, <laughs> right. Like that is powerful. Right. And somewhere along the way of history, right. Where many different cultures and, and tribes and creations also held space for women. Many cultures still do hold space for women to have this time for themselves, right? Just the fact that we had to fight here in, you know, in Canada and in Ontario to not have tax on our tampons and our pads, right? Like, why was I paying tax? This isn't a luxury. Like, I don't have to pay tax for my bread or my milk, but my pads and tampons I have to pay tax for. When did that change? Did that change recently? 2018, I believe. Like, okay. Don't quote me on that. 2018, 2019. But yeah, that's recent. recent. That's mm-hmm. recent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You were paying tax on all of that stuff and you pay more, 30% more, right? We call it the pink tax. Oh my. Right. So if anything is pink, you can buy two razors. If one is made for a man and one is made for a woman, the one that's made for a woman is always 30% more. Wow. Yeah. Oh so God. that's, you know, that's the thing. Right. How often do you look at your own period, your own menstrual, your own menstruation and see this as an inconvenience and see this as like, like you hate yourself, you hate your body. You wish this was never happening. Right. How often do you just like force yourself to go to work or go to the event, even though you're feeling like shit and your body just is like completely drained. You don't have any energy and you're just like, I just need a minute to just like be in this space. Mm -hmm. We could have such a better relationship with our bodies and especially with our menstrual cycles. If we just took a minute to give ourselves a minute to be in it. As we're watching um, Carlin with the menstruate, medicate, masturbate and meditate shirt on. (laughs) Yeah. She's a saint. I love it. His own. You're a a vision. (laughs) You're here for it. So this all linking, it, it sounds, it sounds like this all linking to the deep um, ingrained, I guess, for from the history of so much of like creating the shame that then links to how like our libido and and sex and in our relationships and all of those types of areas of our life and linked to our periods and and um, so many things that make us yeah who we are. So what, how, being that it is so ingrained in so many ways, how do you coach people through this? Yeah, great. That's a great question. So it really depends. So if you're single, it's kind of one way. And if you're in a relationship, it's another way, right? I had this really great conversation yesterday with, um, I have a a couple that I do see and uh, they were in it and he was like, no, listen, you know what changed our sex life? He's like, I started having sex with her on her period. She's perimenopausal. She like bleeds once a month and she has breakthrough bleeding throughout the month. And now, you know what? I said, fuck it. 
And now like we have sex all the time when she's on her period and I don't care because like, this is what we were doing. And like, you know what? It feels pretty good. And I was like, yes, I'm like, yes, you need to speak up more. You need to tell your friends, like tell your friends, do all of that stuff. Right. And you know, how do you hold space for that? Right. How do you, well, it's about talking about what our fears are, right? Where, what is our shame? What is, you know, what is our guilt? Do you actually even know why it's good for you? Right. Do you know why? menstruation is good for you? Do you know why masturbation is good for you? Do you know why feeling good is good for you? Right. You don't always just have to like do yoga and take a bubble bath. Like I love a bubble bath, but I like an orgasm a hell of a lot more, you know, like I just (laughs) orgasm in the bubble bath. That's a good time. Let me tell you that's Friday night plans for me tonight, Lexi. Let me just tell you. I love that. <laughs> but can we talk about that though? Okay. So can you yeah. go through some of the benefits of, of yeah. orgasms, masturbating, sex, like all of that? Because I think that's important for people to know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for asking. So it's, you know, masturbation, self-pleasure, and the act of orgasm can bring very similar, sometimes very different uh, benefits, but very similar. So for example, re- releases endorphins and hormones right? We feel really, really good. It makes us feel really, really good. Just like working out, right? If you're doing it right, it feels like you're working out. You get your heartbeat racing, right? Getting that blood pumping, getting a little bit of sweat. Sweating is really, really good for you, right? So whether you're doing it in sex or at the gym, it's still going to be really nice for you. Um, Another benefit of masturbation is connecting with yourself and learning about yourself, right? I always say to people, Um, especially my patients who kind of are having, you know, challenging sex lives or having shitty sex lives. I say, well, when was the last time you masturbated? And if they say, well, I don't do that. I say, okay, well then that's where we're going to start. Because if you don't know what your body wants, Mm -hmm. it is completely not fair to expect someone else to serve you without you knowing what the directions are. You know what I mean? It's like giving someone all the pieces of a cake and being like, okay, figure it out. And then you're like, (laughs) I don't know how to make this cake. Where's the recipe. Right. So that's what masturbation is. Masturbation allows you to, to know your recipe so that you can not only communicate to your partner, what feels good. Right. But then you also actually become more present and more empowered in the experiences of your body. Because then you know what to expect. You know what buttons to press. You know how to make it feel good. And then the practice of presence and mindfulness is huge. Medita- masturbation is a form of meditation. It's also a form of manifestation. So we can talk about that in a second. Mm. But um, yeah, yeah. Oh, sex, magic, and orgasmic manifestation is like so much fun. But, um, but it's also a form of meditation, right? Self-pleasure, masturbation, it gets you present. It is a really good practice with presence. So for people who have a challenge with being present, mm-hmm. this is an exercise I give them. I'm like, all right, well, looks like we're going to learn how to self-pleasure and masturbate today, right? <laughs> yeah, also really great for relieving things like headaches and menstrual cramps yeah. and like, you know, making you just like generally feel good. Also, statistically speaking, people who masturbate also have better and safer sex. That's stats, like science really? says that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. People who masturbate have not only better sex, but they also, if you're single and like, you know, dating, you have safer sex too, because you're empowered in it. You're not, you're, you're not shamed 
right. by the experiences of your body, right? So then yeah. you are more than likely and more comfortable with having those conversations with other people I love and that. setting those boundaries. That's- I can see that actually so clearly because yeah. like, you're just like, no, like you need, this is going to be protected and you can actually insist on it because you're feeling more empowered in the moment. Speaking yes. like so confidently about it. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. I would never have linked those. That's mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what about, okay, so before, because we got to go to the sex magic and, and manifestation. Through <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, wait. Pause that for one second. Pause yeah. that. Wait, pause it. Because I just want to say one quick thing, especially because I know you have a lot of moms listening. Yes. But that's why it's really important to talk to your daughters about masturbation. Okay. Sorry, I just really needed to say that. I was like, oh, no, that's really important to say. Well, we it's, have daughters. Why. So we need to know more. We, we each yeah. have daughters. Tell yeah, us the tips. But that's why it's important to talk to your daughters about masturbation, right? So that they claim their bodies for themselves before someone else comes in and does it for them. Ooh. Okay. That's powerful. So what are yeah. your, we've had some, we had a guest talk about, you know, a couple tips, but I want to hear this from you because you come from, you're a sexologist, not just, not a child expert. So I want to hear your, your take on how to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know how we just talked about, right? People who masturbate have safer sex. Yeah. The only thing you want for your daughters is to be able to have safer sex. People who masturbate also have better sex. Trust me, if I were to have a daughter, I want her to have some great orgasms. You know what I mean? I want her to live her best life and get a glow, right? Like, I know it's weird to, to, for you guys to probably think about, you probably have small kids and all that stuff, but eventually she's going to become a woman. And eventually, right, you don't want her to be a sad woman. You want her to be a happy woman. So having a happy sex relationship is good. Also, it helps bond you and your daughters together, right? And reduce that shame and that stigma and that guilt. The number one place that our children need to feel safe is at home. And you as the parent, your job is to lead those children. So if you have any shame, stigma, or guilt around your sexuality, you're going to have to drop that act real fast because those kids depend on you to have these hard conversations with them so that they don't get misinformed as soon as they walk out those doors. So then as soon as she can own her body and her pleasure and know that she can give herself an orgasm and she doesn't need another man, woman, or a human to give that to her, then that is the first step in body autonomy. That is one of the first steps in body autonomy and really owning who she is without expecting or needing someone else to give it to her. I've got like shivers listening to you say this. My mind's like, it's such, it links to everything you just said previously around the shame and all of these links, like yeah. otherwise it's a perpetual cycle. Like it's going to continue. That's and and so- that's why, yeah. And that's why 1 million orgasms, right? One It's fun. Like, yeah, it's orgasms, 1 million orgasms. It's a lot of fun. And yes, we have to close this, the orgasm gap and all that stuff. But this is an activist movement. This is advocacy. This is, we are trying to change the complete narrative as to how we hold space for our sexual health and our education and our safety and consent and negotiation, right? It opens welcoming more healthy relationships into your life. You could see that, right? Yeah. When you're owning your own sexuality first and you're not looking for that from someone else. Well, side note, like not to make this back to, I mean, my audience is again, a lot of women, moms, pregnant, postpartum, but so many of them have a a tremendously difficult time advocating for themselves during birth and childbirth. Mm -hmm. And one of the most common things I hear from women 
you know, and, and usually they're not my actual the people who've done my prenatal course. I teach them about self-advocacy, but a lot of the times people come to me, they never did the prenatal course. They just want to start to work on their postnatal health. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, how did your birth experience go? And one of the most common things is I wish I had spoken up or I wish I had refused that intervention, or I wish I had learned, or I wish I had known. I wish someone had told me like, I, I wish that I had said no, or, or questioned the need for X intervention. So it's this feeling that like it's very difficult for people to speak up for themselves and self-advocate and the whole body autonomy thing. And and we're talking about like grown-ass women about to become yeah. mothers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nikki, I'm so glad. P.S. You need to totally share those programs with me. I need to share them with my people. <laughs> okay. like, I, need to, I need to give them to people. Be like, here, smart women. Listen to other smart women. <laughs> like, here we go. Um, yeah, but it is. It totally, it totally is. And like, you know, I've had women in their forties when we're in therapy and we'll have a few sessions and all of a sudden it'll dawn on me. I'm like, wait a second, you don't know where your clitoris is and how it works. The number of conversations I've had with women in their forties about that, right. Who, who say to me, I don't know if I've ever had an orgasm. And I'm like, girl, you know, like, hold on a second. <laughs> you know, if you've had an orgasm. Really? Like commonly women are still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Huge. Big time. Big, big time. Big time. Big time. The world out there is a lovely clusterfuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. That's why I do this work. Cause like, cause women, like there's so many women out there who don't know if they've had an orgasm, how to have an orgasm, how to advocate for themselves to have one, how to give themselves even space the safe space to give themselves time. What is the one thing that women don't give themselves? Time. What is the one thing women need more of? Time. <laughs> but time, we don't give time it to, to have orgasms. Clearly, yeah, yeah. No, no. If you had one, you haven't had one. Is I'm guessing the advice. <laughs> that you give. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Right. And well, do you remember your first orgasm story? Like I love, I love asking people. Oh, this first. What, yeah. Your first orgasm story. Not like when you were a kid, like when you can't, unless you can remember those moments, but like your first intentional, I am going to have an orgasm story or even your first masturbation story. That's so interesting. Cause I don't think I could place that, mm. but you, but you remember like the first time you had sex, which definitely was not orgasmic. No, <laughs> no. Well, see, so that's, so that's, what's interesting. I love that you said that Lexi, mm-hmm. right? Because my first time having sex was orgasmic. I had an orgasm. The guy didn't even believe I was a virgin. He's like, are you sure that I, sorry, I don't like really saying the word virgin, but sexual debut, right? He's like, are you sure you haven't had your sexual debut yet? And I was like, don't do that. I'm positive, but it's because I had a very healthy sexual self self-pleasure um, relationship with myself prior so, to the first time pri- you had sex, which I'm guessing is not the, is not. So is that the, re- that's the recommendation is <laughs> just, <laughs> just like clear. everybody, when you're like, you know, a teen start masturbating. That's yeah. What just, that's what I'm yes. like, so that, so you, and that's amazing that you have been this is, this is who you are, like the mm-hmm. core of your soul. Like you just are yeah. this. Yeah. I'm this person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm this person. I'm the one that gives all, like all my friends, you know, I remember the time I got my mom a vibrator for Christmas. I was like, listen, 
we have to cross this. We have to cross this line, mom. And I'm going to do it for you. Here you go. Right. Like all my friends, everyone's got vibrators, all their kids, they get the sex talk from me. You know, when my eldest nephew turned a certain age, I had like a masturbation talk with him and all of that stuff. And and that's a business idea though. I'm just thinking, can my daughter come? Can our daughters come and learn from me? Yeah, for sure. Because a lot of parents were still just like, I I get it in theory, but like, I just don't know how to execute on the one. Out, you know, <laughs> and you don't yeah. want to say the wrong thing. It's such like a that's that's a big conversation, and wanting to knowing the importance of it, as you've mentioned, and have pieced together so many things have like just clicked in my head um, around the importance of of that type of like self pleasure conversation with your daughter being. Oh, a- yeah. But I have a question here. So, okay, yeah. side note, I'm going to go on a little bit of tangent. Lexi, bear with me here. So I love there it. Is, there is a woman that I follow. <laughs> well, okay, I'm going to go back to it. So there's a, a woman that I, lo- I love. She's a pelvic floor physiotherapist in the U.S. And she is, you know, a bit older than me. So she's got daughters in her 20, in their 20s. So I think she's in her late 50s. Anyways, so she's gone through raising teenagers. And she has now started to realize, like, she also has some teenagers. So she's become the mom who's everyone comes to you to ask embarrassing questions because, and she's got these like, you know, 17, 18 year olds who are kind of like, is that normal? And they feel very comfortable talking to her because she's an open book and she puts that out there on social media. And she does like these TikToks. She's kind of cute and funny and whatever. So anyways, she did some content recently online about, um, you know, exactly what we're talking about here on Instagram. Right. And it didn't get shut down, but she lost thousands of followers. Yeah. And the content, the comments that I read, because of course I'm like, you know, just like, oh my God. Like I want to love comments. Yeah. Oh man. It's just like a treasure trove of gold there. (laughs) Anyway, so you're going through these comments and people are basically sort of like, why would you talk about teenage orgasms? Because it feels like now you're going to promote like underage sex or pre sex, you know, you're, you're promoting essentially like sluttiness is really like some of the stuff that like, you know, and a lot of people were like, I have a hard stop about this. You know, and and she she responded saying, listen, these kids are going to go out and do their thing, whether we want them to or not. Why don't we just educate them? Right. Like beforehand, but, but the, the backlash was like shocking. Oh and, yeah. Right. And these are from other women like, mm-hmm. like me who are other mm-hmm. moms who, who had such a visceral reaction to her wanting to educate teens on this is where your clitoris is girls like that kind of education. Don't you love internalized misogyny? I do. <laughs> you know is that what's mean? going on here? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. It's what is somewhere along the line. We have been programmed to think that what our bodies do is disgusting, is gross, right? Somewhere along the lines, we have also come to see sex as a currency versus a communication. True. Right? So in that narrative, then, sex isn't good unless it's controlled. Sex isn't good unless I can, like, I can control the outcome of it. So that's why birth control, we can talk a lot about birth control and especially birth control for women, but God forbid we talk about birth control for men because, you know, we teach women how to not be raped, but goodness forbid we talk, we don't talk to young men about how to not rape and consent, right? 
this is internalized misogyny. And every single one of those women, I love when I get unfollowers and it's only, I don't like love it. Like I don't call, like I don't want it, you know, (laughs) but like the only reason why I say I love it with quotes is because that means I'm doing my job right because I've triggered something in you. So I hope that that planted a seed somewhere within you because the number of people that I see that unfollow me and then like a few months later, follow me back. It's so fun because then that means I know that you've grown and I get so happy when you come back because I'm like, yes, something, something clicked, right? I planted a seed that tussled your feathers. Thank goodness. I'm a, I'm a trigger. I know it. I I love that about myself. Right. And then you came back because I planted a seed that allowed you to grow and to shift and to change. And that's fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. But it's internalized misogyny. It's slut shaming. Right. Mm -hmm. We talk about like men, not catcalling, like not call, you know, commenting on women's bodies for their clothing. Women are who women, we are the worst ones to each other for that. Like how many times have you scrolled through Instagram and you're like, oh, what is she wearing? Oh, she can't be really happy. Oh, what a faker. Oh, what a poser. Right. First of all, if you're doing that on your Instagram, you're doing it wrong. Right. Secondly, uh, like, like that, that, that narrative, that like cattiness, that like girl, women against women cattiness. And then there is this fear of adults actually being accountable. People fucking hate me. Oh, I'm going to go on with this. <laughs> People hate being accountable, Nikki and Lexi. They hate being accountable. And you know how you can see that? With that post right there. With that post. When you had grown-ass women who had beautiful children and daughters that they need to step into a leadership role with, that they need to share important, it, like pertinent safety, consenting information to them to help raise these girls, what did they do? They shut it down and walked away. Yeah. I'm not going to be accountable. So I'm just going to walk away and pretend to be mad about this because of my internalized misogyny. And I'm not going to be accountable for this. And I'm just going to say, Oh, how dare you talk about, how dare you talk about kids having sex? Oh, like that's the first time we've ever like, come on, come on. These people live through the seventies. Come on. (laughs) Like you lived in the eighties, come on the nineties, man, you know, like it's, people don't like to be accountable and I love parents, but you guys also don't like to be accountable sometimes because it's a hard job. So it's a hard job and everyone is always asking you to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's this idea that like, if we educate them, I mean, I'm sure you could go off on the whole sex ed in in schools too. And like how that's like a bit of a cluster also, it depends on where you live. Ontario. God, what they did. Sorry. What they did before the pandemic was a disaster anyways. (laughs) But it's this fear that like, if we empower them with knowledge, we're going to make them like people, I think mistakenly, would you agree, Lexi, if we, people like I'm talking about like sort of society at large, if we talk to teens, for example, about sex and safe sex and how to have pleasure, then are we making them these horny little buggers that are going to go get out there and like get pregnant and have STDs and like be shameful and be sluts? You know, I think that's like, is that the fear? Like what's going on? Yeah, it must be. Right. It's literally, I just watched like sex education episode, literally. Oh, isn't it so good? good. But it's literally this. And it was like the schools not uh, training them, like the old school way of showing a woman like 
having a baby like in labor to traumatize them to never have sex. <laughs> like you yeah. should never have sex. This is what's going to happen to you. It's, <laughs> Nikki, I'm going to send it's a great you. episode. It's yeah, it's, it's a great episode. It's, it's a great episode. episode. But it's like all the things and like, and basically educating the boys on just STDs. If you have sex, you will get this like an STD, STD and die. Yeah. Yeah. You will get an STI and die. SCI. Yeah. Exactly. If you have sex, you will die. It's like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's literally yeah. the education, which is, which is, you know, taking it, you know, reaching a bit, but ultimately, yeah, like I think that that is the fear. But like you said, Nikki and, and Carlin, you also like then obviously very much expanded on it in the best ways. It's that deeper, like, it's there's so much there's so much more depth to it in that everyone's going to be doing it anyways and so empowering yourself to feel confident around it maybe that's the way that you're making your kids are making the better decision when they decide to engage in any type of sexual you know self-pleasure or um you know yeah have sex so. I had a great sex life in my 20s because I empowered myself. Unfortunately, like, you know what I mean? Because I did that work. I had a mm-hmm. great sex life. A lot of my friends had great sex lives as well because I helped them do their work, right? Sex is going to happen. Like horny, like this is, it's not like horny, this is the first time we've talked about horny teens in the history of humanity, <laughs> right? Like this isn't a new, this isn't a new concept, Right. So when we are unfollowing those people, when we are saying, you know, oh, how dare you talk about these conversations? All you're doing is pretending that something doesn't exist when it does. Because it's hard to talk about. Because you have to be accountable. I feel like it's it's like we kind of portray teenage boys as these horn dogs mm-hmm. and teenage girls need to be buttoned up and wait for marriage. Like there, there's this whole sort of like, you can't possibly have sexual desire if you're a teenage girl. It's mm-hmm. just the bad boys that are chasing you and you need to keep your skirts long and you need to make sure that you're, you know, wearing appropriate clothing and staying home and, you know, have a curfew and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, right. Even how we talk to women and men, right? To young boys and young girls, to teenage girls and teenage boys about, it's so different, right? It shouldn't be that different. Why don't men, young men know about periods, right? Why is that something that they kind of learn the first time they have a girlfriend? (laughs) Totally. Right? right? Like I, like, why don't we talk to young men about those types of things? Right? Like the, you can read, like, I love Reddit. I love Reddit. Um, and I love reading like comments and stuff and like from young men who are like, like where, especially on period videos, they're like, wait, that, where do you put that? Like, where does that go? How long do you bleed for? What's going on? Right? Like all of that kind of information. So wait, what's a clitoris? How do I have set, right? Did you, or did you come? Right? Like that question, did, did you orgasm, honey? If you don't know if I orgasmed. <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, the whole building knows when I orgasm. So, like, I don't think if you don't know, you know. So it's it's interesting. I love where this conversation's gone. Yeah. This well, is- we started talking about shame, right? And I feel like yeah. it starts young. Yes, absolutely. But like, and it starts 
you know, one of the best ways to start to kind of build confidence in your child and to dissuade shame from setting in is by starting to work on practical body autonomy skills, right? So even the things like getting your kids to dress themselves in the morning, right? That is super powerful skill building practice of, of my choices mean something, right? That's what you're telling your kids. My choices mean something and I can create who I am. When you talk to your kids and you ask them, instead of saying, hey, Sally, why don't you go give a hug to Uncle Pete? What you don't realize that Uncle Pete is, Pete is a little fucking creepy and he touches her in a little different way, but you're like, don't be a bad girl. Go and hug your Uncle Pete. Instead of saying, hey, Sally, would you like to hug your Uncle Pete? And then actually be okay with her response if it's a no. I always, every kid, Every kid that comes in my way, I'll always ask them, would you like to give me a hug? And if they look at me a little bit like this because they're not used to saying their no's yet, I say, that's okay. That's okay that that's a no. It's all right, babe. Do you want to maybe high five instead? And then they'll be like, oh, oh okay. And then we <laughs> high five. And then it's just that. Right? That's where that starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so right. And then we move into sex and, me- and menstruation and all of that stuff, right? If you're worried about that stuff, that means that you haven't done this other work. That means that you haven't al- you've, already, you've already taken away the body autonomy of your kids. If you haven't already done that work of, of discussing consent and like not allowing them to just be their own person in certain ways, not all the ways. Kids also need discipline and structure. Right? Like we can't just have like wild minions like running around all the, all the time. The kids are crazy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like some of them are little assholes with love, but like, you, know, <laughs> you got to rein them in a little bit, but you got to rein them in and then allow them to also practice consent and know the language of their bodies and how important their body safety is. Mm-hmm. It's so true. So important. Okay, so now. Where do we go from here? Yeah. <laughs> the manifestation. Oh, yes. <laughs> the magic. I and forgot the about that. Magic. Yeah. I mean, it's a natural <laughs> transition, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Menstruate, medicate, masturbate, meditate, magic. Oh, we're just going That's... through the list. The yeah, list of yeah, the yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now we're, on, now we're on to magic. Okay. Man. I love magic. I love it. Um you know, the power of the mind is really, really great. And if you're into manifestation, then this is going to be a little segment for you, I guess. (laughs) Um, If you're not into manifestation, skip forward, right? (laughs) Um, But, you know, so do either of you manifest? Yes. Are you into manifestation work at all? I'm I'm all, I'm into it all. Yes. Deeply. You're into all of it. I need to get more into it. Yes. Okay. you You, yes. Okay. Awesome. So, The first thing is first when we talk about manifestation, I love it, is do you know what kind of manifester you are? Like a visual manifester. Does that make sense? You are a visual manifester, so you're a specific manifester then. Yeah, I'd say specific. Okay, awesome sauce. So so you are either a specific manifester or a non-specific manifester, right? You learn this. I love uh, human design for that reason. Human design is really where I kind of learned the differentiation between the two, right? So that's why manifestation for a lot of people doesn't work because you're, you're, you're literally doing it wrong. You don't know what your superpower is yet. Ah. So you have to learn how you manifest. It's not enough just to have the tool of manifestation. You have to learn what your magic is in relationship to that tool. 
So knowing whether you are specific or non-specific is really is can be really important. And I've noticed a big shift. And with my patients who I teach this to, I've noticed a big shift. So some people are specific and some people are non-specific manifestors. And Lexi, you know, if you have to, you said you you have to, you're visual, so you have to see it. So that means you're specific. So you have to know all the details of what you want. And you write it all down and you write all the lists. And non-specific needs to know how to how they feel. Right. So how does it feel to manifest? Mm. Um, and what you feel like when you've, you know, all your dreams have come true, kind of thing. Sex magic, your orgasm is one of those tools of manifestation. So just like, you know, writing the lists, you know, some people do like different methods of writing lists and doing the things and counting back, walking backwards and lighting things on fire and, you know, all the different ways that people manifest, right? It's so fun. Um, But you can use the power of your orgasm to propel the strength of your manifestation. And how that happens is right when you think about it, right? This is why I talk about how powerful especially, you know, those of us with, with vaginas, with vulvas, women, or with like, you know, the space for the parts are because we have like, we literally create life in, uh, within us. So we're pretty powerful, I would say. So if you also use that same center of life creation within you to elevate, to magnify your wants and your desires through orgasm, that's going to be pretty powerful too. So all you have to do is know what kind of a manifester are you? And then as you are self-pleasuring, what you are doing is then doing either the visualizations or the feelings, right? So if you need a bunch of money, I want you to think, think of like money raining down on you and like what that feels like and the, what it looks like with the, you know, the money in your bank. And like, you know, you might even want to have sex with money. Who cares? Rub it all up on you and do all of the things and just, you know, throw your <laughs> pussy up to the sky, have an orgasm and say thank you. And that's orgasmic manifestation, right? It's about the ritual of self-pleasure. And uh, getting into it and then adding your manifestation to it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to release a workshop about that in 2022. So stay tuned. Oh, you definitely should. We're staying tuned. Yeah. We're definitely <laughs> listening. Definitely. Yeah. Should. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, hey, babe, I, I'm going to let's go manifest tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially for couples, if you do have a shared goal. Yeah. Right? There you go. That could be really great. And like, just throw the words out in your communication. Be like, oh, that boat. Yes, that <laughs> boat, baby. <laughs> like, Turks and Caicos, here we come, right? Like we, we're doing this. The money will come, right? The, the time, the whatever it is that we need. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Do that's, it. Let but me know it, how that's it goes. amazing. I, lo- I like the connection of it's true. We're creating, we can create life like using that. Um, and centering that towards your visions for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's why the womb, um, trauma in the womb space, um, the, the womb wound, it's a hard word to say, womb wound, um, is a really powerful healing journey for people and women with wombs, right? Or without who have had them taken from us you know what I mean but that healing journey right Mm -hmm. you know all about this Nikki right with pelvic floor stuff 
like the healing journey of women in our wombs is. It's powerful. It can be very long, you know, the way if you felt a lack of autonomy in your birth, for example, or if you had a really severe trauma to your pelvic floor, you felt dissociated and you froze and, you know, you feel like you were just a body on a table having an emergency, you know, C-section or something that can have very lasting impact on, on the way you see your body. For sure. Now think about how many people feel that way when they have sex. That's sad. Right. It's all connected. That's why the three of us are here talking about this right now. Right. We're here healing womb wounds right now and having this conversation and allowing people to see themselves through our words. This is incredible work, right? Like this is, this is it. This is what we're doing here. And this is why I talk about orgasms because you know, yeah. on the surface level, it looks like fun and orgasms and yay, party, 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 sex toys for everybody, right? Like, <laughs> so much fun. But there is a deepness to all of this work um, that I hold very sacred. And mm-hmm. that's why I am who I am and I do what I do. Well, it's amazing. I, this has been such a great conversation. And in so many different ways, you know, we started with one topic and it's gone into such important conversations as we touched on in the beginning. So uh, thank you for coming on and for everyone who wants to follow along and continue to follow or unfollow and refollow later because <laughs> <laughs> I triggered you in some way, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can check out uh, Carlin.Costa on Instagram. And then your website's amazing. And we'll include those all in the show notes, your website, your Facebook group um, for the Everyday Goddess. Um, And just really appreciate you coming on. Any final words? Oh, this was so great. Thank you. You know, I wasn't sure where we were going to go with this conversation. There's so many different ways that we can go, right? Mm -hmm. I would love to have like a a bit more of like a fun, like uplift, like let's talk about all the different ways that we can squirt. You know what I mean? Conversation. Like (laughs) we totally need to have that conversation too, I think would be so much fun. That's for next season. (laughs) Yeah, that's for next season. But I think, you know, I, I appreciate you women holding space to have some of these deeper conversations, right? You know, we're in the kind of the deep, deepness of weather right now in North here in North America, you know, we're all experiencing the transition of a pandemic. There's a lot of deepness that is happening with people. So I just really appreciate you women like holding this space for us to have these really big, important conversations. So thank you. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) We're grateful for you. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.